And I titled the message tonight, Love Acts Differently. Amen? Amen. Love Acts Different. Let us pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Lord, we pray that you would help us in living our life according to your word, according to your scripture, God. And we pray that you would teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence and for you to have your way in this message tonight. Lord, I pray that it would not be me that people hear, but they would hear your word and they would hear your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you were not here this morning and you're watching on Facebook or you're listening to the podcast later on, if you weren't here for this Sunday morning service, this Sunday evening service is going to kind of piggyback right off of the message this morning. So we're going to turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are going to start at verse 23, okay? And we're going to give some subtext, some meaning to what I'm about to say tonight. Starting at verse 23, it says, Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. And the King James says, kind to all men. Kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured to do his will. Now, my thought process tonight, and we touched on this this morning pretty in pretty deep detail, actually, the idea here, and I want to read from my ESV Bible here on verse 24. It says, servant is the common word for slave or bond servant, but Paul uses it also to, re uh, to refer to those who preach the gospel himself and uh, Epaphroditus. This section in 2 Timothy is a key passage covering a pastor's handling of troublesome people in the church. Now, we're talking about troublesome people in the church. We're talking about troublesome doctrine. We're talking about stupid and foolish arguments. We're talking about vain or profane babblings, which are mentioned earlier in this half of the chapter. And this morning we touched on this, and I want to go back into it tonight because this is an important topic that pastors need to know, that uh, 
lay workers in the church need to know that Christians who are out there spreading the gospel and speaking the truth and teaching other people the gospel message need to understand it's not just about delivering truth. Because although I can speak the truth in love, I cannot make people believe the truth. And no amount of persuasion, whether it be uh, my lofty words or my cantankerous spirit, will make people believe. Amen? So tonight I came to talk to you about what it says in verse 24 and verse, verse 24 through 26. It says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. Now, far too often in modern-day Christianity do we see people who love correcting people. They love to show you where you're wrong. They love to tell you that you're wrong. They love to get in your business and show you that you're walking in error and you need to do just exactly what they're doing because they got it right. Now the vain babblings that I'm talking about are people who take side issues and they make them gospel issues. They take issues that are not as relevant as they think they are and there's a lot of hypocrisy even in what they're saying about them because let's face it, they don't have it right either. They're not perfect either, yet they're trying to hold you to a standard they themselves do not meet. It reminds me of Jesus with the Pharisees. He said, Pharisees, he said, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, you teachers of the law, you hypocrites, you shut up the kingdom of heaven in men's faces, you don't go in, and you won't let anyone else go in either. Blind guys, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. And people say, well, you know, what the Pharisees were doing was they were being legalistic. It wasn't just that they were being legalistic. It's that they thought they were the only ones that knew the truth. And they thought that everybody else wasn't as good as them. And they needed to get to the righteousness that they had. And they needed to do as good as they were doing because they had it right. Jesus said it was because they preached something they didn't practice. Now, I know a whole bunch of people that talk about grace. They talk about we, we believe in the five solas by grace are you saved through faith, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. Amen. They believe that it is by grace we're saved through faith, not a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. They believe that, but they don't want to hand it out. Somebody messes up, and they turn into the wicked witch of the West, and they turn into some brooding 
a hypocritical Pharisee that thinks they're better than them. And it's not just about being right or speaking the truth. It's the manner in which we do it. Amen? It says the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Now, I want to give you an example, if I can, of someone walking in quote-unquote love, okay, about a certain topic, and I'm not going to name no names, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I'm going to make an example that I've heard with my own two ears, I'm going to use the voice inflection that I heard, I'm going to show you that there are times where people may be speaking truth, but they're doing it the wrong way. And they think, oh, it's okay, and I'm telling the truth, and I won't sacrifice the truth for anything. Nobody's asking you to lie to people. We're asking you to be kind. Amen? Now, one brother over here believes you can, by grace, are you saved through faith? So does this brother. Now, this brother believes in the perseverance of the saints. And this brother don't. He believes that uh, somehow, by some weird, uh, weird way, man himself can discount himself from salvation. Okay, let's. Let, we're not getting into text. I'm just going to take it as this guy who who believes in the perseverance of saints. He's going to say, "Well, that's just unbiblical. I don't know why you believe that." You need to understand the scriptures better. You need to search them out. You need to understand that, that God, whom God calls, he also keeps. You know, no one that's in the Father's hand will be plucked out. I just cannot believe that you don't see that. Do you see that attitude? Do you see the inflection? Do you see the... I'm better than you. Somehow you're walking in some intellectual inferiority because you don't see what I see in the scriptures and you must be wrong. The attitude behind how that's said could be much more welcoming, uh, much more uh, palatable if it was done this way. Hey, brother. I want to know why you think anybody could lose their salvation. What's your scriptural, what's your, where's your scripture for the fact that people can? And then we can hash it out. We can look at the Bible. We can talk about that. But I, I don't see it. Can you show me what, where you think it is? And people go, well, you know, you're just kind of skirting it. No, I'm not skirting the issue. I'm asking him to show me his standpoint. But I don't have to be a jerk face when I'm doing it. Amen. I don't have to be a jerk. I don't remember the, the other word. A jerk face smarty pants. That's what I said this morning. I don't have to be a jerk face smarty pants when I'm asking him. I don't have to talk down to him. I don't have to talk at him. I don't have to act like he's completely intellectually inferior. We need to be able to have godly, brotherly discourse with those who may 
they may not agree with us on everything theologically, but we need to understand that that doesn't make them not saved. It doesn't mean they don't know Christ. It doesn't mean that they don't have a relationship with the living God. Here Paul says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind and able to teach. I don't know about you, but if my teacher talked to me like some of these people in uh, the church today talked to people who disagreed with them, I wouldn't listen to that teacher. What are you, what are you kids going to do if a teacher starts screaming at you? Do you think that's going to garner a positive result from you? You think you're going to be like, oh, sure, I'll do it. Or are you going to be like, why in the world are they yelling at me? Yeah, and I hope you tell your dad. Amen? Let's talk about this next part. He says, able to teach. To teach, you have to be level-headed enough to try to understand how it's going to, the best way to convey the information to the people that you're talking to. And being quarrelsome, Paul says, is not the way to do it. Being outrightly, overtly argumentative about what you're talking about is not going to win the argument. Just because you can raise your voice more, just because you can shout out more Bible verses, just because you think that you have a bigger handle on it so they ought to just shut up and listen to you, that will not teach anybody. That will not garner the response that we're looking for. He says, patiently enduring evil. Because generally, even when you're being kind, you're going to face opposition. And evil uh, is going to say, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. Because a lot of times when you bring the truth to people, they will think, no, you're wrong. Just leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. And we as Christians need to patiently wait those things out and continue to try our very best to, to be kind and teach them, but be patient at the same time. It says that the, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. And this is probably the one where all of us fall short, okay? Like, if I want Carmen to do something for me, if I really want it to be done, I'm going to say, hey, sweetheart, can you do this? Hey, sweetheart, can I have a glass of tea, okay? Generally, that kind of, of uh, Asking that kind of talking to my wife will garner a positive response. Right? Now, this is the way to get the glass of tea thrown in your face. If you look at her and say, hey, woman, I want a glass of tea. Go get it. She might bring you a glass of tea, but she might throw it in your face too. Okay? Amen. That's the... You've got to know that just because I'm speaking the truth 
doesn't mean I can speak the truth however I want. I got it. somehow in American Christianity, when we think we have it all figured out and we think everybody ought to listen to us, etiquette goes out the window. Love, patience, peace, kindness, all that stuff gets thrown out the window because what I got's true, and you better listen. Amen? But it cannot be conveyed that way. Paul here, he says, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Then God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Now, I hear this analogy all the time, okay? And I want to correct it because people keep using it from one Christian to another Christian like we're trying to talk about other Christians being lost. This is the analogy that I hear from fellow pastors, from fellow Christians. They say, well, if you see your if you see your brother out in the middle of the street and he's about to get ran over, are you not just going to run over there and push him out of the way? You're not going to be gentle with him. That's not fair. That's not a fair statement. You have one hand, we're talking about somebody actually going to die. And the other hand, we're talking about a Christian who may have wrong doctrine, okay? Because as far as I know, if they're a Christian, that means they're going to heaven. If they're truly born again, that means God will not let them go. So if that's true, the analogy that you're giving is faulty and you're trying a straw man argument or you're trying to uh, 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 I can't remember the other fancy word that, I, that I'm, I'm trying to think of right now. But you're trying an argument, you're deflecting from the real question and you're trying to make another scenario. You can't do that. The, the, the scenarios couldn't be farther from the truth, couldn't be more different because over here you're talking about somebody that's actually going to physically get ran over and over here you're talking about a believer who's going to heaven. You're not rescuing them from hell. They've already been saved. That analogy doesn't hold weight. They're like, sometimes you got to do it abruptly so people get it. Paul didn't say that. Paul said you can't be quarrelsome. Paul said you got to be kind and you got to be gentle. Huh? Right. Oh, I was going to get there. I sure was going there. I sure was going there. Let's read a few verses that talk about Christian behavior, okay? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I know I'll probably get some hate mail and some bad text messages or Facebook messages saying, Pastor, why are you talking about me? Look, I didn't name anybody, okay? So if this shoe fits you, you can wear it, okay? I love you and I'm trying to tell you sometimes the way you come across is arrogant and rude and that's not how we should be sharing the truth. 
Go with me. It's uh, Ephesians 4, and I believe I want to start. Um, let's start at verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down upon your anger, and give no place, no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Watch this. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Now here we, I could go on and on about several different things, and I don't want to because I want this to be a short message that is just readily understood, okay, that we know for a fact that God, with Paul right here, he's saying, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up. And that fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. Notice Paul didn't just say, hey, uh, uh, use only good words that are there for building up. Well, you know, Pastor, me telling them where they're wrong, that, that's going to help build them up. Sure it will. If you do it like he says, that it may give grace to those who hear. Amen? Those who are listening to you should know that you're loving them and that the only reason you're saying something is because you love them. And how I talk to them must say, I love you. Now I'm going to use one more example with my wife since she's the only one right there looking at me, right? I'm going to say this. I can look at my wife and say, sweetheart, I love you. And I know you love me, but can you please stop leaving your drawers on the floor over here? Or I could walk in the room and I could go, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of you leaving your stuff laying around, tired of these clothes being piled up in this chair. I'm so sick. Why, why do you gotta be that way? Because the first one is pretty much how Christians don't do it. And the second one is pretty much how Christians do handle it. I can't believe you. Like you forgot that you were the worst sinner that you ever knew 
okay, like you forgot that God saved you while you were dead in trespasses and sin, and you still ain't perfect, but you're going to talk to people like you got it all together. Paul says, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed unto the day of redemption. How am I going to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, self-control. And I'm forgetting one because there's nine of them, okay? <laughs> Can't remember the other one off the top of my head right now. But the reality is that because I have the Holy Spirit, I should be showing these fruits even while I'm telling people the truth. Amen. When I'm telling the truth, I need to do it patiently and kindly, lovingly. I need to do it with gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I can't fly it off the handle. Amen. Woo, I'm just saying. Go with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. If you don't remember where Colossians is, right after Philippians. Colossians chapter 4. We can start at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open to us door, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how it ought to be, how I ought to speak, excuse me. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, however you answer anyone, it had better be with grace. God said, for uh, as you have freely received, freely give, Jesus said, right? So I freely receive grace. I should freely give grace, and I should freely be gracious. But right here he says, walk in wisdom toward outside and making the best use of time. Let your speech always, always be gracious. Uh, go with me. Go with me to John 13. John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus says something that we need to remember. By this shall all people know that you are my disciples, if you love or have loved one for another. Well, you know, brother, that's the reason I'm, this is the excuse I hear, okay? And I want to tell you, 
And I want you to, you know, if you've said this before, I know I have. If you said this before, just go ahead and repent right now while you're hearing it because I've already had to do it myself. Well, brother, I do love them. That's why I'm saying something to them. I understand that. But if that, you know, you saying something to somebody out of love is a good thing. But I'm telling you, it's not enough to just want to say it out of love. It must be said in love. It must be said with kindness and gentleness, tenderhearted, compassionate, one for another. Amen? This is the charge that we have as living examples of what Christ has done to us. Amen? And done for us. We're to be salt and light. We're not to be oil or battery acid. We're to be salt and light. But we're to do it in love and in gentleness, kindness, compassionate, tenderhearted, one to another. All these things we've heard in the verses that we have read. Finally, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because everyone that says, hey, I'm doing it out of love. Well, let's go look at what love says. Okay. What is love? First Corinthians 13, starting at verse Oh, I'm in Romans. That's why it don't look familiar. Ha, my bad. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. And I've preached on this before. You can't separate love is patient and kind. You can't separate patience and kindness. I can't be patient and unkind. Okay, I, I can't be unkind and be impatient at the same time. That's like, go, uh, that's like uh, uh, going real fast but stopping at the same time. Okay, I can't hurry up and slow down at the same time. Okay, you, you can't do that. I can't be kind and impatient. I can't be patient and unkind. Try it. I, I'm being patient with Tristan, but I'm saying I love you and I'm being patient. Or, I love you, but you need to hurry up. Impatient. Right? You need to hurry up and get where I'm at in my spiritual walk. You need to hurry up. Doesn't, doesn't a, 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 a servant answer to his own master still? Doesn't to a, his own master or servant stand or fall still? Isn't that still scripture? Isn't that still what we should believe? Love is patient and kind. Notice that those are the first two things that Paul says love is. Love is patient and kind. So if you ain't being patient or kind in your delivery of the truth, you ain't doing it in love. Love doesn't envy or boast. Love isn't arrogant or rude. It does not insist 
its own way. And it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest is love. Paul is making a very clear admonishment that bishops, elders, pastors, those who are teaching and preaching the gospel, especially those, are to lead by example and not be quarrelsome or rude or rash in the spreading of the truth. They are to look at those who are they are they're trying to speak to as their hearers and their conversation, their speech has got to be seasoned with grace. It's got to be seasoned with a tender heart and compassion with the goal. With the goal to win them over. Amen. The goal is to win them over. And I'm telling you what, you, you win a lot more people over by going and putting your arm around them than you will by going and punching them in the face. Amen? Men, I'm going to tell you right now. I know a lot of men. But if I went up to you and just punched you in the face, you'd be upset and you'd want to fight. And that's the normal response. But if I came up to you and I put my arm around you and, and, and coming to you like a brother, I'd get a different response. And I know a lot of people out there going, oh, people are just callous to the truth. Well, that's true. That doesn't change the fact that when I present truth, I have to be kind, patient, tenderhearted, loving those, and thinking ahead to what will accomplish or what might win their attention so that they would come and listen to the truth that I'm presenting. This isn't a seeker-sensitive message. I'm not preaching to you to preach what people want to hear. I'm not telling you just, oh, just, uh, just say what they want to hear. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you that you preach the truth. You teach the truth. You tell people, you correct people, but there's a way to do it. And there's not, it, it's not whatever way the truth comes out. That's how it's, that's the best delivery. It's just, I'm just going to speak the truth, no matter how it comes out, no matter how kind I am, no matter how gentle I am, no matter whether I'm walking in any kind of uh, tender-hearted care or thought 
or anything. I'm just going to present the truth. Well, that's not what Paul said to do. Paul said that it must be done with gentleness. Correction must be done with gentleness. Teaching is to be done with grace. Amen? Kindness. Tenderhearted. Love will preach the truth. Love will honor the truth. Love will always rejoice in the truth. But love acts different. Real love, the love that we talk about in John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. This kind of love will act different. Because he didn't say, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you know all the five points of Calvinism. By this shall all men know that you're my disciple because you know all of the great works of Spurgeon or because you have read all of the great works uh, 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 of, of uh, Alexander or, or any of the other great men of God. You read all of Calvin's institutes or you know all of the different uh, uh, eschatological backgrounds of all the different in times things, you got it all figured out. That's not how anybody's going to know that you're his disciple. How they're going to know you're his disciple is by the love that you bear one for another. Because the love that the world gives only loves them that love them. The world only loves them that's on their side. The world only loves and only greets those who who greet them. But Jesus said, don't the publicans and the sinners do this? That's why he told us to love our enemies, to do good for them that persecute us. Amen? When somebody smites me on this cheek, I offer them the other. When somebody asks me to go a mile, I go two. When somebody says, I hate you, my response should be, I love you. And I want what's best for you. It's not just speaking the truth. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. And how you love determines whether they're going to turn and respond in faith. Paul's saying if you're going to, if you deliver correction with gentleness, then God may indeed bring occasion that they would repent and come back to the knowledge of the truth, come back to their senses. Amen. Just remember, tonight's message, I titled it, Love Acts Different. And real love is going to preach the truth in love, but it's also going to use that opportunity not just to uh, say the truth but deliver the truth in a loving way amen let's pray father god we thank you and praise you lord for your word we thank you lord for your message we thank you lord that you and you alone stand as our judge as our advocate as our savior and lord we ask that you would help us as we spread the truth of who you are of what you've done. Lord, let your love 
Make us act different. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.